Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. Amen. Hey, come on. Uh, let's give a hand for our pastors and their amazing heart for us and for this house. Amen. You know, I just think it's so awesome, just to be quite honest with you, that they would take the time to shoot that video while they're over there ministering in India for us. It says a lot about their heart for you. Um, and I just, I'm just really thankful. The other thing is I knew it wasn't fake because there's a little baby calf in the background. So I figured they weren't faking it they unless they borrowed your farm or something like that. But, um, you know, in all seriousness, we want to take the time to pray not only for them, uh, but for the other people who were there on the trip, and then also for those missionaries that we support. Um, I love what we do here. I love that we get to gather like this. But most of us have no concept, no understanding of what it would be like to be in their shoes over there. Where they're bringing the gospel to people who have never heard the name Jesus. There was a story where they went to a village and they said, do you know Jesus? And this was in the, the northern regions of India, I believe. And one of these missionaries went and they said, do you know Jesus? And they said, wrong village, he doesn't live here. These are, that's a ser- these are people who have never heard the name of Jesus. And these are people who can be persecuted and even thrown in jail for this. Can I tell you, if you've ever met somebody who has been beaten and who has been jailed for their faith, it's a very sobering thing. And so I want to take a moment, not just to pray for our pastors, but I want to pray for those gracious, amazing missionaries that are there. Can we do that, Tree of Life? Amen. Father, we thank you for this day. God, we say thank you for this house, this local body. And thank you for shepherds over this house who love us with the true heart of a shepherd. Pastor Don and Pastor Jessamy care for us. And they want to see us grow into a healthy, vibrant church that continues to reach not only our community, but the world around us. So God, we're declaring over them as they're in India that they are protected, not just as they travel, but as they minister. Father, we're declaring that the enemy is not able to do a thing to them. The Bible says that no weapon formed against them will prosper. And so we declare that there's safety and protection over them in Jesus' name. According to Psalm 91, God, that you are watching over them. God, I thank you for these precious, amazing missionaries. These people who are taking the gospel to people who've never heard the name of Jesus, who are risking being physically beaten and being imprisoned for the gospel or jailed for the gospel. God, we're praying for them right now. God, we're asking that you would strengthen them by your grace. God, we're asking you that you would uh, keep the vision before their eyes. That when it gets tough, that they would remember that there are souls to be saved in India and there are people over here that are praying for them. God, I pray that you would remind us to pray for them daily. God, I pray that as they go about their business of ministering to people, I pray that um, if there's people who would mean to do them harm, that it would be like they're blinded to the fact that they're even there. They might even say hi to them and become friends and somehow not have a clue what's going on. Father, we declare that. We declare that protection. We declare the Holy Spirit's power, his presence, and his protection over them in Jesus' name. And God, we speak that as they minister, they can give a simple altar call, but it's so full of the Holy Spirit's power and the truth of the word that so many people respond, it's a shock. And God, I thank you that there's finances for them. 
I thank you this provision for them. And again, Father, we thank you for protection for our pastors and their family as they travel. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Amen. You can clap, that's awesome. Love that we have pastors that not only have a heart for our area, but a heart for the globe, amen? And so again, I do want to remind you that it's Mission Sunday. On the first Sunday of every month, we encourage you not only to uh, bring some staple food items for the bins out there to help the community around us, um, which we do a lot of, but we also encourage you to pray and see what God will have you give above and beyond your regular tithes and offerings to support what God is doing throughout the world. We've got a sister campus, Arbo de Vida, in Leon, Guanajuato, Mexico, Um, They are doing amazing things there. Pastor Don's brother, Pastor Jeff, pastors that campus. And it it is just so cool to see how they've grown. And then also we're supporting 10 missionaries in India like we talked about and supporting other missionaries around the globe. So we encourage you to make an eternal investment with your finances. You know, you can go ahead and open your live notes if you've got the TOLC app right now. Again, we do encourage you to take notes because it helps you remember. Uh, My wife would attest to this. There have been times in my life where I was going through a rough time and I pulled out my notes. And and I remember one, one time specifically, it was my notes from Tree of Life Church. And God helped me walk through that time because I had taken notes in the past. And so I want to encourage you to do that. Um, Again, if you're using a tablet, go to our website, treeoflifechurch.org. Click on the little orange button that says live notes, and you can do the same thing with your tablet. And then uh, if you want to get out your real Bible, if you have one of those, uh, or if you want to use your Bible app, that's up to you. But if you don't know me or maybe you haven't met me before, obviously my name is Cody Jones. I'm the worship arts pastor here at Tree of Life Church. Cool. My wife, Christy, is the ECM, Early Childhood Ministry Director here at church. I said this first service, amen. Uh, I said this first service, if you're single, uh, we met when she was volunteering, so, you know, just serve somewhere. I'm just kidding. Uh, A bunch of guys were like, yes, that's what I'm going to do. It doesn't always work that way. So, but we have been married since October 2015, so it's been awesome, I grew up here. Uh, We were a military family. I was a Marine Corps brat. uh, And when my dad was just about to retire, the Iraq war was starting up. He was attached to an aircraft carrier that was going out and launching that war. And so we decided to move here ahead of him because we didn't know how long he would be. I was 11 years old when we landed here in New Braunfels. um, And I've been at Tree of Life Church since 11 years old. And I just want to say I've grown up here. I discovered my gift in the context of this church. And uh, I started working here at 19. I was supposed to be like a temporary worship leader. Uh, I, think they, I think it was supposed to be like a month or a month and a half, and I'm still working here. Uh, it's been seven years or something like that. So it's just funny to me, you know, like they couldn't get rid of me. But I want to say this really quick. Here's what I want. My point in telling you all that is this. Your kids need you to be connected to the local church body. You may be mature enough to have a personal devotional time every single day, but your teenager might not be there yet. And so they need you to position them in the presence of God as much as possible. They need you to drag yourself to church. And they need you to be engaged and involved because they need your example to guide them through life. I discovered my gift in the context of the local church. 
I developed my gift in the context of kids ministry and youth ministry. Your kids have to be a part of kids and youth ministry. So that's the end of my soapbox. But I would just, I want to talk to you a little bit today about this topic called Better Together. And a few weeks ago, I kept reading this passage of scripture, Psalm 133, and it's about unity. And if you don't know much about scripture, that's okay. The book of Psalms was basically like a hymn book for the people of Israel in the Old Testament time period, which was before Jesus came. And so there was a lot of different authors, kind of like the songs that we sing today. Um, King David probably wrote most of them, and he wrote this particular song. Uh, It's pretty short, so it's almost like it's a worship jingle, uh, but it is a worship song, and it's kind of weird if you've never heard it before, so just bear with me. It says this, how wonderful and pleasant it is when brothers live together in harmony. For harmony is as precious as the anointing oil that was poured over Aaron's head that ran down his beard and onto the border of his robe. Harmony is as refreshing as the dew from Mount Hermon that falls on the mountains of Zion. And there the Lord has pronounced his blessing, even life everlasting. And so it again can sound kind of weird if you've never heard it before. Some of the guys in the crowd were like, I guess we're talking about beards today at church or something. Not exactly but we'll get to that particular section of it. But David is really doing something here that's pretty clever. And some people say that when he was talking about brothers, that he was talking about the Israelite people or the Jewish people. Some people say that it was kind of directed to help his sons because his sons had a sibling rivalry on the highest level. It was dividing his kingdom, it was so bad. And uh, if you think your kids fighting over the front seat is bad, then you ain't seen nothing yet, right? And so. He's writing this and he's teaching people three powerful truths about unity. So today we're going to unpack those three powerful truths. Also, Pastor Rob um, preached a sermon on Psalm 133 a while back that I would encourage you to check out. He goes very in-depth about the context of Psalm 133. But today I want to kind of talk about these three powerful truths and then I want to talk about what unity is not and what it is and how we can walk in unity. In our culture, it is so important that we know why first. Everybody in our culture has to know why before they do something. Sometimes that's healthy, sometimes it's not quite as healthy, but today we're gonna talk about why. So three powerful truths that David, King David shows us in this scripture. Number one, unity brings refreshing. If you notice in the first verse, he says this, how wonderful and pleasant it is when brothers live together in harmony. Sometimes I just wish people still talked like this. Like I wish that we were at Whataburger, I was with at Whataburger with my friend Jeremy that plays guitar. I wish that he would have said like, hey man, how's that Whataburger treating you? And I'd be like, how good and pleasant it is to eat this A1 thick and hearty burger. I dare you to try that with your waiter next time and just see what happens. But here's the point. David is saying it's more fun to walk in unity than to walk in division. If you don't believe me, think of that one person that you know. That one person on Facebook that always posts negative things. Can I just be honest with you? I click unfollow on those people. Like every day, I click unfollow on somebody, and I'm sorry if it's you. But because I want to see people who are posting something that brings us together. Maybe you have that one friend that can be critical about anything that you go do. The restaurant did this. The movie was this. It should have ended this way. Maybe you have a friend or a coworker or a family member 
and they just know how to stir up division in any situation. It's more refreshing to hang out with people who like to bring everybody together. You know, we do a lot of memorial services here. I have never sat at a memorial service and had somebody go, well, you know, so-and-so was awesome. They could make people hate each other in a heartbeat. I've never had anybody say that. But people will stand up and go, you know, my grandma, she could bring people together like nobody else. It's important that we are those kind of people because it's refreshing. In a culture that's more divided than ever, the church can be a place of great refreshing for people when we walk in unity. Amen? I love this thought. Number two, unity brings God's power. Unity brings God's power. And this is that part that got a little bit weird for us. In our modern context, this makes no sense, but we're going to explain it in their context. Verse two, it says, for harmony is as precious as the anointing oil that was poured over Aaron's head that ran down his beard and onto the border of his robe. So like in our context, this is like, I don't know, did somebody pour canola oil on a Duck Dynasty guy? I don't know what's going on here. But in their context... Aaron, in the time of Moses, Moses led the people of Egypt, the people of Israel out of Egypt, out of slavery, and God had him anoint his brother as the first high priest of the people of Israel. And so he took this oil and he poured it over his head and it was a sacred moment. And oil in God's word signifies his special calling and his Holy Spirit. So what he's saying right here is, This unity that we're experiencing is every bit as precious as God's special calling and as the presence and power of his Holy Holy Spirit. He's saying right here that it is so important that we walk in unity. Why? Because in Matthew 18, verses 19 through 20, Jesus said, I also tell you this, if two of you agree here on earth concerning anything you ask, my Father in heaven will do it for you. Say will. For where two or three gather together as my followers, I am there among them. Jesus is saying, if we walk in unity, his presence and his power are there. If his presence is there, his power will always be there as well. That's why we gather. You know, in Acts 2, verse 1, yesterday I was reading that. It says something really fascinating in the New King James Version. This is the account of Pentecost. And Pentecost was when um, the believers, after Jesus had gone back to heaven, they were praying and they were baptized in the Holy Spirit for the first time, which means they received special power from on high. And they were able to use that to minister to people. And the Bible says that 3,000 people got saved that day. You want to talk about how to assimilate people into your church. That's a big deal. And so these believers were gathered together praying and in Acts 2 verse 1 in the New King James Version, it says, when the believers were all gathered together in one accord and in one place. It doesn't just say when they were gathered together in one place, it says when they were gathered together in one accord. That you can be in the same facility as somebody, but it takes a spiritual posture to be in unity with them at the same time. But do you see what happens here? As when we gather together in one accord and in one place, God does something that only he can do. His presence comes and his power changes people. Listen, if the anointing isn't present on this stage, 
If the presence and power of God isn't here, then this band can all go home. I say this all the time. There are plenty of people in this area that you could see at any given bar on a Friday or Saturday night that could sing better than we can. But it's the anointing that sets people apart. It's the anointing that sets people free, amen? Let me tell you one more thing though, and this is so powerful. That presence, that power that comes when people are gathered together in a corporate setting, not just in one place, but of one heart, mind, and spirit, that kind of power is the reason why we can't afford to skip out on church. That kind of power is the reason why your teenager can't afford for you to say, you know what, we're just gonna stay at home today. I love live stream. I love personal devotional time. But there's a different anointing when you walk into a room full of believers. And they're coming together. And you don't know what she's going through and he doesn't know what you're going through, but we're declaring the same scriptural truth together that his word cannot be shaken. And we begin to agree on that fact and God begins to show up and do what only he can do. Listen, that's why we have to be here. You can encounter God's presence in your personal time, driving down the road, listening to Hillsong or whatever you do. You can encounter God's presence by getting on the Bible app and reading the one-year Bible, but you cannot encounter his presence and power in the same way alone as you can in this context. The last thing is unity brings God's blessing. Psalm 133.3 says, and there the Lord has pronounced his blessing, even life everlasting. Listen, don't expect to sow division and reap blessing. The Bible says that God won't be mocked and whatever a man sows, he'll reap. And sometimes we feel so much turmoil in our lives because we're sowing division in other people's lives. And it's creating chaos in our own hearts. God can't pronounce his blessing when we're not doing what he's asking us to do. Now listen, I'm not saying you won't be blessed because God will still bless you in his mercy and grace. What I am saying is that if you're not willing to stand under the umbrella of God's blessing, then you won't experience the full extent of his blessing for you. And here's the thing that's so crazy about that. Jesus said in Matthew that if a nation is torn apart by civil war, it's doomed. He said if a city or a family has strife and division in it, and it's divided against itself, it cannot stand. Do you know that Jesus didn't say if a nation is torn apart by civil war, whoever loses, loses, and the rest will be fine. He didn't say that if a city is divided, that the city council member that started the division will go down, but the rest of it will stand. He didn't say that if a family is divided, the family member that was uh, kind of stirring up the strife, they're gonna have a hard time, but everybody else will be fine. He said the entire nation, the entire city, the entire family cannot stand. That's because we're all in this together. And we need you because If you're not experiencing the full blessing of God on your life, then we as a church body probably aren't experiencing the fullness of his blessing as well. It's really simple math. If we're missing part of it, then we don't have all of it. I was homeschooled, but that works. And so we have to understand that we need you to be blessed. 
because you don't just hurt yourself when you choose not to walk in disunity. It affects your church body. It affects your family. It affects your workplace. What if you could bring the blessing of God on your workplace just because you're there and you're walking in unity? What if they could be confused by, I don't know why things are going so well here, but it might have something to do with you. That's what unity does. Three powerful truths. Unity brings refreshing. Unity brings God's power and unity brings God's blessing. So now that you kind of understand why, then we have to know what it's not because our culture has a lot of misconceptions about unity. We think it is something, but it's really not. And and can I be honest with you? That's because we get our ideas from our own minds and not from the word of God. And so number one, unity is not sameness. It's not sameness. I've heard it said before that unity is not uniformity. And that's why when you walk into Tree of Life Church, you'll see white people and black people and Hispanic people and Asian people all worshiping one God. That's why you'll see young people, amen? That's why you'll see young people, some more seasoned people, if we say it that way. You see some people who get discounts at IHOP if they go there. All worshiping one God under the same roof in one heart, one mind, one spirit, amen? Can I tell you something? That's a reflection of your pastor's heart. Because Pastor Don has a vision from God that this place is to be multicultural and multi-generational. You know, on stage today uh, with this volunteer team, these amazing people, there were two countries represented. Um, Sometimes there's at least three. And then uh, there was a 56 year age gap between the youngest and oldest team member. I'm not gonna say who the oldest was because I don't wanna get hurt. But 56 years, can I tell you a secret? If you don't like people of other skin tone, If you don't like people of other ethnicities, if you don't like other generations, well, I don't like baby boomers. I don't like millennials. You're not gonna have very much fun in heaven. Number one, there will be cultures there that you've probably never even heard of in your entire life because they went away thousands of years ago. And number two, I don't know how age works in heaven, but Moses is really old and he's gonna be there. And so we have to have a church that looks like heaven. Unity is not uniformity. Unity is celebrating the way that God made us different from one another. Amen? It's awesome. Acts 17, 26 is that he has made from one blood all the nations of the earth. Number two, unity is not agreeing on everything. Listen, I'm not talking about the biblical concept of of agreeing on something in faith. That's different. I'm talking about the concept of agreeing on every little detail. I could go to Chipotle every day of my life. Got an amen, yeah, that's awesome, right? Hey, hey. Uh, My wife could go to Jason's Deli every day of her life. And so we don't agree on that, but we still walk in unity. Now that's a silly illustration, but there are bigger examples than this. But listen, we don't have to agree on everything to walk in unity. Now let's be clear on this. There are certain things that God has to say in scripture about moral and social issues that we must agree on because it's the truth of God's word. But there are some nuances and some methods that we can disagree on. 
but still walking together in unity. We don't have to agree on every method, but we have to agree on the mission. Can I say something? That's why, that's why there's different types of churches. That not everybody worships the same. I, I love this story. It's pretty funny for me because it's pretty ironic. When we began to come here when I was 11 years old, my mom asked me what I thought about coming here. Of course, it wasn't going to be my decision, but, you know, it's nice of her. And uh, I said, you know, I don't really want to go there because I can't really enter in and worship. Like, what a deep 11-year-old, you know? <laughs> I go, man, I had it all figured out. And my mom said something to me I'll never forget. She said, if you can't enter into worship somewhere, that's your fault. Because I could be in a, I've been in services where it's all hymns. I went to a punk rock church one time where um, they were singing, and I will worship you, you know that song? But the guy would scream it, and oh, wow, he would like do it. And then I can't tell you how sweet the anointing was in that place. Because God's presence was there. Because they were walking in unity. We don't have to agree on methods, but we can agree on the mission. Number three, unity is not never speaking up about disagreements. See, you've got some people who will say, well, I just love them and I don't want to tell them the truth. Well, if my breath stinks, tell me. (laughs) You've got some people that will say, I'm going to tell them exactly what I think because I'm just really direct. No, you just don't care what other people think and you just blurt it out. But we've got to put the two together. We can't just tell everybody off. And we can't just keep everything to ourselves. In fact, if you love someone, sometimes it's better to tell them the truth than to let them go around thinking that they're still getting it right. If somebody's consistently late to meetings or things like that, I've begun to think to myself, what if I don't tell them about this? If I don't tell them about this, what if it's affecting their job? And what if they lose their job because nobody cared enough to say, hey man, I noticed that you're late. I thought this would really help you. But here's the thing about unity. It's not never speaking up about a disagreement, but here's what it is. It's asking the Holy Spirit if and when you should address it. So many times, and you know you've been there, you've stood up and said something to somebody and then you're like, ooh, that one I could have kept to myself, you know? (laughs) Guys with their wives, hey, And then there have been so many times when you said, I should have said that, but I should have done it at a different time, in a different context. And that's the important thing about unity is, should I say this and when? Can I tell you something? I've learned this over the years. Sometimes people don't need you to tell them that they're wrong. Sometimes people feel more bad about what they did than you feel angry about it. Sometimes people are so embarrassed and so aware of their shortcomings and we want to say, do you not see this? And if they were honest, their response would be, I've seen it my whole life and I'm just trying to figure it out. Sometimes there's a time when we're not supposed to say a thing. And then there's a time when we say it but in the right context. People who are walking in unity can disagree with a person's viewpoint without attacking their character. You can say, I disagree with you there, but according to 1 Corinthians 13, the definition of love, it talks about believing the best about other people. I disagree with you, but I believe that your motive is there. The other thing is that unity says, though I may disagree with some of the details, we can work on the mission and we can still work together. So unity is not sameness and unity is not 
never disagreeing. And unity is definitely not never speaking up. It's knowing if and when and how. But unity is a witness to the world. In John 13, verse 35, Jesus said something so powerful. He said, the world will know you're my disciples by your love for one another. And you know what? Over the years I've realized he didn't say by your love for the world. He said by your love for one another. You know, we live in a culture that's increasingly satisfied in some senses with where they are. I heard a joke one time uh, about uh, happiness and buying happiness. And the guy said, listen, people say you can't buy happiness, but have you ever seen somebody frown on a jet ski? And that is so true. You can buy temporary happiness. And we live in a culture that is a culture of excess and we continue to buy temporary happiness. And sometimes people don't even realize that they're not fulfilled because they've pushed it down for so long and they don't think about it anymore. But one thing that we have to understand, marketing doesn't work like this. Apple doesn't go up to you and say, listen, your old phone is so lame. That is the worst phone I've ever seen. No, they come up to you and they say, hey, we've got this brand new phone that is amazing. I bet you'd love to have it. We don't have to go around telling the world how bad their life is. We can go around showing how good life in God is. When we begin to do that, it's attractive to the world. You know, if we were to sing a song just terribly out of key, our whole choir, everybody, the harmony was just bad. You wouldn't listen to it for very long. You don't purchase music where the people can't sing. Some artists we might debate that on, but generally you don't purchase music where the people can't sing. But if we were to sing, let's say, How Great Is Our God, in the worst way possible, you would close your ears, you would walk out the doors. If we were to sing How Great Is Our God in perfect three-part harmony, you would listen. Do you know that the message didn't change and the power of the words didn't change, but the harmony in the presentation made it attractive to the hearer. When we walk in unity, our unity makes us attractive to the world. Somebody walking in these doors honestly may not even care to hear the truth of God's word. They may not really care what the Bible says about their life. But if they see the unity that we walk in, it might make them lean in a little bit closer and listen. So unity is a witness to the world. Number two, unity is a daily choice. It's a daily choice. No one can make you walk in disunity. No one. In fact, it's kind of cheesy, but the first letter in the word unity is you. It's your choice. And Paul addresses this very specifically in Romans 12, verse 18. He says, if it's possible, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. You know what that means? You can have a posture of peace and unity regardless of whether or not someone reciprocates it towards you. That you can say, you know what, you may not like me, but I guarantee that I like you, I love you, I'm believing the best for you, I'm praying for you. Now don't rub that in somebody's face because I've seen that done as well, and that's false unity. But it is so important that we realize that nobody can break my stride in the area of unity. It's my choice. The other thing is in Philippians 4, verse 3, he says, make every effort, Paul is talking again, to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. He's saying here, unity will not be easy. It will be hard work. It will be a daily choice. You will fail at it every single day of your life, I bet. But make every effort. 
to allow yourselves to walk in unity. Unity is a choice to work for God's purpose instead of against each other. And third, unity is honoring our God-given differences. And in this passage that we see in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 4 through 7, I probably won't read the whole thing, but it talks about there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but it's the same spirit that's the source of them all. Listen, if I didn't understand and appreciate the difference between my foot and my hand, then pouring cereal in the morning would get really weird because I'd be trying to grab the milk jug with my foot. We have to understand and appreciate our differences. And here's what we have to know, that God created you different than the people around you. It doesn't make you right, it makes you different. Because we are here with different resources, different viewpoints to serve one purpose, and that's the mission of God here on the earth. And so we have to understand and appreciate that. If we don't put our preferences aside and put our perspectives together, will never accomplish God's purpose. I have to sometimes put my preference aside, put my perspective together with somebody else's, and then we see the whole picture of God's purpose. Can I tell you in my context, context sometimes that means um, maybe singing songs that I don't personally really like, but I believe it would bless our church. And that's so important for all of us to be mindful of. How can I put my preference aside to serve God's purpose? You can sacrifice purpose for preference if you'd like, but you'll end up sacrificing two more things as well, significance and fulfillment. My preference on the earth is not worth sacrificing eternal purpose. Does that make sense? When we get to heaven, half the things that we have preferences about here aren't gonna exist. I like certain types of music, they're probably not gonna be there in heaven. And so we have to understand that it's important to sacrifice our preference for God's purpose. Unity says our methods may be different, but our mission is the same. And finally, I want to say this. Unity is a byproduct of spending time with the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5, Paul's very clear about what it looks like if a person has spent a lot of time with the Holy Spirit. He, he talks about it being the fruit that the Holy Spirit bears in us. I've never seen an apple struggling, an apple tree like struggling to make an apple, you know? I'm trying hard to make an apple today. They just do what they do. They stay connected at the roots to their nutrients. They receive the sunlight and then they just produce fruit. If you and I would stay connected to God, if we would just spend time in his presence, we would produce fruit. Please hear me when I say this, and I don't mean this to be harsh, it's convicting to me. Um, if somebody tells you that they are spiritually mature, but they're rude to people all the time, they're not producing the fruit of the Holy Spirit. If somebody tells you that they are spiritually mature and they lie or they gossip, or they believe the worst about people or they're critical all the time, they may be mature in some areas, but we all have a long way to go. And we have to understand that, that we cannot walk in spiritual maturity and in disunity at the same time. It's not spiritually possible. And again, I, I don't mean that to be rude because we all deal with our own things. I, I deal with my own stuff, but let's not kid ourselves. Biblical knowledge and depth is not equal to spiritual maturity. 
Spiritual maturity is when I've allowed the Holy Spirit to reveal to me what's wrong in my life and help me become who he wants me to be. Spending time reading God's word and allowing the Holy Spirit to work in you is gonna cause you to display these qualities. You won't be perfect, but you'll be a work in progress. I love the scripture that says, if any man says he knows something, he knows nothing yet as he ought to know it. If I claim that I got this, that's a big warning sign that I don't got this. Because we're nothing without Jesus. Now this is gonna sting and I I want you to take this home. I don't want a text poll or a show of hands. This is gonna be hard for all of us, but I want us just to to hear these points. Spiritual maturity, self-check. Number one, how often do I catch myself criticizing other believers? Notice I didn't say people in the world. A lot of times people in the world are turned off to the church because we criticize ourselves so much. How often do I catch myself criticizing other believers? And then you can branch out to criticizing people who don't even know Jesus, which really makes no sense because oftentimes we hold them to a standard that they haven't even chosen to follow. We chosen to follow it. Number two, how hard is it for me to forgive other believers when they offend me? You know, in middle school, uh, uh, an adult leader in our youth group said something to me just off the cuff. He was just a little bit frustrated. It wasn't anything big, but I held on to that for years. It frustrated me, and I had to let go of it. He probably forgot about it in 30 seconds. Number three, how often do I reach out to people who I normally wouldn't associate with in order to share Christ's love? I want to say two things to that. Number one, to unbelievers. How often do I reach out to unbelievers and say, hey, listen, I just want you to know that God loves you. If you ever want to come to church, I'll save a seat for you. You can sit by me. How about to that person that kind of scares you a little bit? You're not sure about them. Maybe it's their personality. Maybe it's the way they look. Do you reach out to them? Jesus was all about those people. He reached out to the people that nobody wanted to talk to, that his culture said he shouldn't talk to. And then I want to say this too, and I don't believe this is our church, but I believe it's something for all of us to consider. How often do I reach out to other believers that don't look like, sound like, talk like, or act like me? We don't believe in segregated Sunday at Tree of Life Church. We believe that we all come together for God's purpose. So just something to take home, something to think about. And man, I think that's going to be convicting for all of us. But it enables us to show the world how awesome life with God is. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the chance to worship you. God, we thank you that we're part of a church that walks in unity and that walks in love. And it starts again, with our senior pastors and their vision for this place. But God, we want to continue to grow in that. And if we know anything about the world, we know that living here, going through an imperfect life and honestly still having our flesh, even though we've been saved, we still got some things that we're working on. And we understand that we're going to have opportunities to walk in disunity, but it's our choice to do the hard work of saying, you know what, I love you even if I don't agree. I love you even if I don't look like you or talk like you or if I have a different personality or even if you offended me. And God, I pray that as we do that, that your presence and power would fall. God, I pray that as we do that, in a greater measure, we would see lives being changed as we already are. God, I pray that as we do that, people who never thought they were missing anything in life say, you know what, there's something over there that I want. God, I thank you that your blessing falls where unity is. 
We just thank you for the chance to honor you by walking in love. We thank you for that, God. Thank you that the greatest act of unity the world has ever seen, the greatest act of reaching out was when you sent your son Jesus to die on a cross for a bunch of sinners. And that includes us. The Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died. You know that before you were born, God knew every wrong thing you would do, but he still sent Jesus to die on the cross for you, to give you the chance to accept him as your Lord and Savior. If you turn down the gift, it doesn't mean that he didn't give it. He gave it already. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.